hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. So I thought I would intro one, if you intro two, I'll intro three, you intro four, yeah? Okay, I'll do, uh, yeah, okay, cool, cool. Remind me that I'm going to do intro four like Coagnon. <laughs> Welcome back! <laughs> Welcome back to this adventure! <laughs> we'll be back to collect the rubbish later! It's the, yeah, it's a, we're back to collect the rubbish later! <laughs> okay. Oh yes, this is caretaker number three, four, five, stroke twelve. What you've got to do is count me in because I need a place to start. Okay. The recording. So you. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, um, and this is three, two, one. Welcome back to a Hamster with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. We are recording today on the 23rd of November. I am here with the stupendously wonderful David Maskell. Say hello, David. Hello, and happy birthday to Doctor Who. Oh, thanks. Very exciting. What does that date denote? But thank you, you just done it. Well done. Oh, th- oh, oh sorry. Sorry. We're only two minutes in. You can't be apologising already. I know. I'm just too British. We haven't, we've had this conversation off mic. Yeah. I'm a British person who's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right now, he's wearing a fabulous Sylvester McCoy jumper covered in question marks. Do you, have you got the brolly? I have got the brolly. I saved up for the brolly actually. It was the one of the it was the official one that they brought out the anniversary, I think. Have you got the duffel coat? Nah. Oh. Nah. The nah. brown or beige jacket. Oh no, I ha- I think I had the beige one for a bit, but it was like a it was like a charity shop one. You know, it wasn't the, wasn't an official merch. Well, to get it just so you can complete the ensemble, you know, dress up. Yeah. I feel like of all the doctors, Sylvester would be the one that I dress up as. I feel like that's one of the easiest ones to do. I mean, I've got a bit. Oh dear, my cat wants letting out. Can you? Will you mind just talking for two seconds while I let? I'll, my just, I'll just talk. I'll just talk for a bit. So today, uh, you could probably work out we are going to be talking about a Sylvester McCoy story. But which Sylvester McCoy story? I'm. Can I just say, listener, I'm scared for you. Not so much us, but I'm scared for you. In the words of Brenda in Scary Movie. When she was watching that film on the cinema screen, this is some scary shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What no. are we watching? What are we watching today? Well, uh, do you know there's only this story and Battlefield, I think, left of McCoy. All the rest have been recorded. Uh, and you know who's going to have to do Battlefield, don't you? <laughs> who's that? Mark. Mark Rawlins. Shout no, out to him. He doesn't believe that. Sylvester McCoy says, I will decapitate you in that. <laughs> he does, though. Well, I know. Only after I pulled up the script and made him watch the scene. Yeah. In fact, when we... So, as listeners, I've just I've just had a little trip round, and I went to stay with Mark, uh, and we watched Battlefield, and yeah, he does... I think we got to put the subtitles on, and we were like, yeah, he does say it. I will decapitate you. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, we are doing Paradise Towers today, which... Okay, I... I've known people that think this is like a zero out of 10 Doctor Who story. And I know people who think this is a 10 out of 10 Doctor Who story. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. What about you? Now, okay, I'm going to talk about this more when we get into it. But I absolutely adore Paradise Towers. I understand it's not the greatest story ever written. And I get that. But I absolutely adore it. 
I think it might be one of the better scripts. Do you know what I want to talk about that as we go in. I think it's a it's a really good script with a... Yeah. A, it's a great idea for a story, I will say. It's an absolutely great idea. I think some of the execution isn't done particularly well, but um, you know, I think... You know when you go on, like, team-building exercises with work, right, and they, they put you on either end of a rope or something like that, and you have both pull the rope, you know, and you've got mm. to try and trust that the other person's not going to let go and you're falling in your ass. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on between the, the script and the direction in this. They're putting yeah. directions. And I'll tell you what, they both fall in their ass at some point. They do. They do. I, but no, I, um, I, I, I said, well, when we, when we go into it, I'll talk more about it. But I do adore Paradise Towers. Well, David, I know you. I know you rather well now as well. And I know I you. Do. Also, since, um, since we've met, well, since we last recorded together, we, we've met again. We went to Pandorica. Oh my god, orgy number two. Even yeah, in the first one. This time it's personal. <laughs> orgy two. This time it's personal. Um, but we had a we had a great time. We watched an episode of Doctor Who together live. We did episode once. We did time. Yeah, yeah. That was very. It was very exciting. Do you know? I was thinking about that. I was thinking actually, it's a bit. It's a memory in it that forever we're always going to remember that that was the episode we watched together. Uh, well, I've got a fabulous clip of you just going. Stop filming me! Stop filming me! <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get, I was trying to get all like buzzed what, before Country Fire. Well, Country Fire was on. And you were just filming me. I was like, stop it! <laughs> no, well, I'll tell you what. No one gets buzzed during Country Fire unless they've got a particularly spectacular dildo on the go. Well, I've never, I've never had that as yet. But um, oh, wow, you know, surprise me, <laughs> John, Cra John Craven, and uh, th that doesn't quite do it for me, John Craven. Oh, sorry, you don't mean a dildo in general. You mean a dildo during Country Fire. Mask, <laughs> <laughs> well, I never thought I'd see you looking embarrassed. I mean, I've I've never done either. Well, that as of, yeah. old admission of you, a <laughs> podcast that I'm about to start will have you on to try all new things. Oh but God! <laughs> Should we get into Paradise Towers? <laughs> Go and hang out with a bunch of lesbians. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I just wanted to just complete that thought though. I know you quite well now, and I know you have a love of, uh, I'm going to say arch performances in Doctor Who. Um, you do a particularly spectacular uh, Morgane. You do a fabulous <laughs> Tassadita. Uh, I mean, you do an astonishing Kara from Revelation of the Daleks. You know, I, I, you do a Chloe Ashcroft death, which is yeah, out of this world. I'm famous for my Chloe Ashcroft death now. Um, <laughs> no, your Tassin Beaker death even better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I can see why this appeals to you because there is a level of high camp about this, isn't there? But there is also, again, I'll talk more about it. There's more. There's more to it than that, as well for me. This one, this one is a bit of a sort of personal favourite as well. But like I say, I'll get into. I'll get. I'll get into it when we when we start. Desperate to go. You've said that. Yeah. I can't wait to hear your reading on this. Well, I'll tell you what, shall I count us in? Let's do it. Going to episode episode one. I know just a quick side note. I can't think of a better thing I'd rather do on the anniversary of Doctor Who than talk about high camp Doctor Who with you, David. <laughs> I thought you were gonna just say watch Paradise Towers. <laughs> uh, with you. Oh bless uh, you. In five, four, three, two. One. Let's go. Oh, do you know that smell? 
So I'm going to just go straight in. Okay. Oh, I was going to turn myself down a little bit. So on the uh, Silver Nemesis, you said season 24 is your favourite McCoy era. I did. Is this your favourite story of season 24? Oh, no, not by a long shot. Um, uh, Delta and the Bannerman is my favourite. Interesting. Beautifully optimistic, gloriously camp Doctor Who story there ever was. You only have to see the big blobby monster going through the machine at the beginning to see that. I think Ken Dodd appearing in a sparkly outfit also pretty. Oh, the Ken Dodd death. Um, <laughs> the extended cut that you kept showing me. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, then, then Time of the Run is my second favourite. It's an absolute guilty pleasure. Then this, and then Dragonfire. Okay. Okay. I I do love uh, season twenty four, but I must say one thing that has annoyed me recently is because as we record this, the box set is out isn't it yes yeah blu-ray and the amount of people that complained that this was coming out on blu-ray was a bit ridiculous but i'd like to think that and i think it was just it's true that once it came out this series got reevaluated this season um you know when we went when i went to the bfi screening which they did of dragonfire even then people were going well why are they bringing out season 24 instead of season you know eight or whatever oh they're done but you know what i mean and you're thinking, well, it is going to come out at some point, isn't it? And I, I'm pleased that actually these stories in this season are now not considered as bad as they were originally. I, in fact, there was a sorry, buzz, wasn't it? A buzz. Yeah, yeah. And Russell Minton, who was actually at the BFI, said that this season is the only box set they've done so far where they've actually had to cut things out. Because if they'd have put everything in, it would have been like a 16-disc box set because there's so much extra stuff. So just yeah, it was a lot of you know, like people on shows talking about it and things like that. But yeah, there was they had they actually could, they actually had so much for this season they couldn't get it all on. Thank God they made room for the Patricia Quinn interview because that was just yeah. Oh yeah, that's pretty mm -hmm. iconic. Oh. <laughs> so another question is going to ask you: Where when were you born? Because did you watch this when it went out? That's a very like, question, David. Honestly, I know. How old do you think I am? Well, I know you're 41. Oh, <gasps> 31. No, I'm there. 31. So I was born in 1980. I started watching my first story was Battlefield. It was the first one I watched. Oh, so you, don't, so you didn't see this when it went out. Okay. There's Mel with her uh, dapple figure. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, actually, I do. I have, well, I, I've said this before. I have a vivid memory of a darkened room with like strong lighting in it. And, a, and scary voices and I and it really scared me and my mum basically was like okay he's not ready for this yet yeah you're watching it whether it was Terror the Verboids when you know when it all goes like blood red and they're all his yeah. or whether it was the scenes with Kragnon in this I think it could have been Kragnon you know yeah it might have been yeah yeah people tell me those neon lights are really embarrassing and I still get a tinge of <sighs> but I think you do I mean I like one of the first stories I ever watched was Remembrance of the Daleks. And, you know, even now, that first cliffhanger still gives me shivers. David, I've got a question for you. Go on. Go for it. How do you... One, how do you find the sets in this? Because this is an entirely studio-bound story. And two, do you like the fact that this is a dirtied up a bit, Doctor Who? Yeah, I think it's more realistic, I'll be honest. It's nice, and also it works well for the script, because, you know, imagine if... If Paradise Towers had been kind of all shiny and dark, oh, actually, before we carry on, 
this caretaker is pretty damn attractive. Caretaker number three, four, five, so strokes twelve, subsection C is a hottie. He is pretty hot, actually. Um, it's a shame that he doesn't last very long. <laughs> we are receiving you, caretaker number three, four, five, stroke twelve, subsection three. Okay. Sorry. Well, like you know, like I'm, I'm just going to take a guess now. I, I hate to jump into sex again, but I can imagine you're a bit of a screamer. Can you imagine having sex with this man? You'd be like, oh, caretaker number three, four, five, stroke twelve, subsection. My God, it would be a right mouthful to get out every time, wouldn't it? Well, that's true. He's probably he has probably got a name. He's probably called Jeff or something. <laughs> Jeff or something, you know. But no, in answer to your earlier question, no, I think the sets, the sets are okay. They're not the best Doctor Who sets, but actually they work quite well for the story. I think. I like the fact that it's all dirty and dingy and kind of you know it's clearly been there for a, a while. What was the other question you asked me? I've forgotten. But well, the sets and and sort of like because this is a down and dirty Doctor Who. I think Stephen Wyatt said in the interview on the DVD that so much of Doctor Who, like the space corridors, it was pristine and clean all the time. And he wanted like a location that was just a bit grungy and a bit earth. yeah, yeah. I think saying about this is a personal story. Like I was thinking about this today that. In the Silver Nemesis commentary that I talk about, I say that McCoy is the only Doctor that I can actually sit and watch any story. Uh-huh. And I think, personally for me, and it's different for other people, that actually he's the only Doctor I can do that with. Like, I can think with every other Doctor, there are stories that I personally believe are awful or dreadful. But for the McCoy era, I love every single story. And I think it's because it was the first era that I grew up with. And this was one that I had on VHS I used to watch it a lot as a kid and I don't think so much at, you know when you're a four-year-old watching this you don't think oh it's camp I actually just think it's pretty damn scary actually I think it's a, just a good yarn and I think having watched it a lot since you know yes it is camp I understand it's camp and I'm not denying it is camp but actually it's a pretty good story and it's you know as a four-year-old it did make me scared all the stuff with the um I know I'm jumping the gun, but, you know, Caragnon later and the hands coming out of the waste disposal unit and things like that. Those are quite scary images to have for children. There's a lot of um, adults behaving in a peculiar or scary way in this as well. And I think that's really scary. So so the the um, Tabby and Tilda, uh, the, the chief caretaker when he's taken over, I can imagine a four-year-old watching that and, and they're all adults behaving in a sinister way, brandishing knives. Definitely. People. It's got a proper dramatic course to it, though, this. Like, people say it's, it's a comedy or a dark comedy. But, like, this is a building that's trying to kill you, you know? Like, yeah. that's a idea. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what, actually, the writer does very well. And, you know, The Greatest Show in the Galaxy is another great example of a story that, it's, again, it's pretty dark on the surface. It's... About a circus that's killing people. This is just a tower block. I mean, I, I will say though, I don't particularly like the Kangs, but that's more the performances. It's, I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's the ace factor, isn't it? It's that they're supposed to be very common, you know, like g- gutsy, grimy girls, and they're very clean with shampooed hair, yeah, with RP accents. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they've gone to Lambda, darling. They've gone to the Rada. But that's the director not getting the script, I think. Because yeah. you, you would cast, you know, characters from EastEnders. You know, that's what you need. Proper, you know, land. Mm. 
Atlantid is, yeah, and I totally agree. I do agree. Um, sure, sure. You've already had like the, the scene with the yellow kang at the beginning, where the you don't know what's coming towards her, and the shadows going up over her face, and she's screaming. That's super scary. I think. Yeah, there are definitely scary moments in this story, and I think it's a another one that's kind of underrated as a story because, a bit like I, I was saying about, I think it was the Sunmakers that I said that all the Sunmakers looks quite cheap and silly. That's, the, that's how it gets remembered. And I think this is a bit of the same with this. This is remembered as the camp one. But actually, oh, the music's good. Yeah. yeah. But actually, on the surface, it's a pretty, you know, it's a dark, if you look under the whole campness, it's a dark political satire, really. It's a bit like a sort of Alan Bennett, you know. Well, it's absolutely a take on J.G. Ballard's High Rise, isn't it? Yeah. It's, and on the behind the sofa for this, they absolutely adored it. Even, Pe- yeah. even Janet Fielding liked this one. Even Peter Davison liked this one. Yeah, but I, but I think it's because you're seeing like really famous character actors having a ball with this. Yeah, you know? I would I would go so far as saying for me that with maybe uh, Ghostlight, this has probably got the best guest cast for a Doctor Who story, as in actors, not so much performances, but definitely you, you know this has got it's really. A- amazing actors in it it's a frighteningly good guess and what surprises me in this is this is Sylvester McCoy's second story and I can't tell it's his second story I think in Time of the Rani yeah you can see an actor absolutely feeling his way into the part and trying every bloody trick in the book to make it work there's a confidence to him in this and something I always say about season 24 is because the tone of season 24 is quite heightened McCoy's instinct is to bring his performance down. And as a result, he's like the darkest thing in this story at times. He's he's really strong. But it... Oh, sorry, go on. No, go on, carry on. Well, say, in, in the later seasons, in season 26, which, you know, I think is probably the best McCoy season in terms of stories, but not in terms of his performances, because the stories are suddenly really dark and really dramatic, and his impulse there is to kind of not bring it down, but to go mad. So he's in the middle of that battlefield screaming his head off. He's in that quarry in survival screaming his head off. In Ghostlight, he's like, forget the survey, like, and go. You know, it's all this kind of mad over the top. Here, there's none of that really here. Yeah. He, I think, I know you don't think so, but I think he's a good actor, Sylvester. But sometimes, at times, you just make the wrong decisions. We're also just coming up to one of my favourite lines, so I'm going to have to stop halfway through that's not oh i think is it over the intercom it is <laughs> um, it. what now should i well, do it now well when it comes i'll do it afterwards because you don't yeah um but i think the other thing about this whole seat oh here we go here we go <laughs> <laughs> yes or no <laughs> um I think, I think, again, this season is pretty damn dark. I mean, you look at Delta and the Band of Men. It's all about mercenaries wanting to kill the last race of somebody. This is about a murderous building and yeah. how like, murders occur throughout this story. Delta and the Band of Men is about genocide. Yeah. You know, like, well, Dragonfire starts with um, Glitz's crew being turned into bloody zombies, you know, killing zombies. And Kane kills all the customers in that, you know, they go and massacre all of them. And, you know, even we were talking about this off mic, but you know, even Ken Dodd being gunned down, that's pretty 
dark for a Doctor Who story. I mean, yeah, the death, not so much, but but the idea is pretty dark. It's it's a you can't have Ken Dodd in Doctor Who and not murder him. I mean, that would just be wrong, right? That's true. But you know, like we talk about the the performances being heightened in this. I think I've developed more of an appreciation over time of Richard Bryer's performance pre-Coagnon. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's he's playing it for me. He's not, he's not playing it straight, let's face it. He's but, not playing it straight. But he is playing it with a kind of creepy edge to it. Yeah. It's a very Doctor Who performance. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. It's it's you couldn't put this in anything else you know you couldn't put this in a in a detective show or something but it works creepily well obviously before he becomes Cragnon. but even as Cragnon, i don't think he's that bad well we'll get to that i think there's some interesting mm-hmm. about that. oh paul mccoy just got thrown out in the rubbish look honestly um the, the lights are down as well have you noticed we've got yeah. into a period of doctor who where they remember how to turn the fucking lights down thank god yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but the caretakers were supposed to be, weren't they? Like fat, older men. That was the spirit that they were. And and what they, what we got was a load of kind of young to middle-aged thin men. So again, it was the director kind of not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. You've got Clive Merrison and Richard Bryars. I'm not complaining. They're two great actors and they're having a ball doing this. David. Oh, here they come. There she is. I just so happened to have bought a cookie to eat along with Mel. I haven't got any whipped cream, though. Gonna... Like a cup of tea and some cake. Oh, uh, I mean, as much as I love Tilda, here she is. There she is. Is she very... If we were being lured in by a bunch of animals for tea and cake, we'd be doomed, you and me. We would. We do like, we do like tea and cake. Elizabeth Spriggs was one of those actresses that I used to see a lot in things as a kid, but I can't quite remember what. Like, even as a young child, I was like, oh, it's her. Like, I can remember what you definitely didn't see her in, and that's the two doctors. But yeah, she, she was known as It wasn't she? Well, apparently she asked for a bigger fee or something, didn't she? She wouldn't turn up to rehearsals, and Peter Moffat asked JNT, can I fire her? And JNT said, yes. <laughs> wonder how they got her in this then. Well, it's work, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they marvel. Even Stephen White says when he's watching this, they cast these two perfectly. Like this yeah. Is what he envisaged. And again, you you couldn't play this part in any other TV show, could you? I mean, a cannibal old lady. It's so you can only get that in Doctor Who. Right? I mean, it's marvelous, and like it's like some dreadful Centre Park chalet, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've but stayed in Premier Inns like that. They've added all like these little cute bits, home sweet home signs and things like that. Just like it's just uh, apparently in real life they hated each other. Who? The two actresses. No. There was a video of Clive Merrison talking about this, and apparently they used to be quite bitchy to each other in rehearsals. And um apparently elizabeth spriggs came in one day and said to brenda oh you know you're a wonderful actress you're playing all the great shakespearean parts at the royal shakespeare company and i always wondered how she did it on those short fat legs 
And apparently, he said at one point in the rehearsal, she had to shove Elizabeth Briggs down the waste disposal unit because you've never seen an actress with so much vigour going, <laughs> going her own back. <laughs> apparently, no, apparently they didn't like each other. Oh, that's glorious. I but you know, can't tell it on screen, I will say. The power of acting. But I, lo- you know, I love it when people don't get on behind the scenes. I love watching yeah. it. It was even more, you know. But also, you know, we're saying about the guest cast, these are all classically trained actors, you know. There's no... As much as I love Delta and the Bannermen, you've got Stubby K, you've got Ken Dodge, you've got Hugh Lloyd, who are all entertainers. Well, Whereas these are all proper, you know. JT is filling, because this is back on early evening on a Saturday now, and my friend Cy Hart, he made a great point that JT is, is like. Hello, Cy Hart. Hello, Cy. Ball of Sunshine. But he's weaponizing his cast to bring in an audience. Like he's filling every single story this season with big names. How do you feel about that, though? Do you think it works? Do you think it doesn't work? Love it. I absolutely imagine these stories with nobody's in them. Come on. Yeah, that's true. I think it works sometimes very well and sometimes it doesn't work. For me personally, I don't mind if they get a huge guest star in as long as they're good. Well, there are certainly some... works and one that doesn't. I mean, I don't see why they got Faith Brown in Attack of the Cybermen. Not because she's not good in it. It's just because that could have literally been anybody. You know, it's like you don't cast a famous person and put them all in, you know, makeup and stuff. It, it was a bit ridiculous. And I think even someone like, as much as I love her, Chloe Ashcroft, who at the time was well known for doing player school, but there's absolutely no need to cast her in that. And give me a couple that work really well. Sheila Hancock. Oh, my God. Nicholas Parsons in Curse of Fenrir. I mean, again, that's another great bit of car- i even think ken dodd works pretty well in for the little bit that he does in delta i mean he's quite a f- f- laugh gene marsh gene Mar- but yeah yeah i know i know that's an obvious role for her after willow and things like that but she is great no she's great and sylvia sims who you know was in the line please the end of episode three and the laugh it's also the way it blends into the theme. It just makes it more funny. His handmaidens. Maidens in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we were basically quoting Battlefield the entirety of a couple of weekends ago, weren't we? Oh, God, it was, it was, it was painful, as in, like, I was laughing so much. David, what's going on? Better ask the professor. What's going on? <laughs> my, still my favourite one is, thank you, Doctor. Wee! God. Um, okay, we we haven't even so spoken about Bonnie Langford yet. And I know we haven't. Oh, you and I, because we we've done a Bonnie story before. Um, now I've had a lot of people point at this story and say this is the the worst excesses of Mel because she's super perky throughout, isn't she? And bubbly and and like panto. But like, how else can you play this? I would disagree that she's doing it in a panto style. Definitely. I think this, I think in terms of character, this is her possibly her best story because she has so much to do. I mean, okay, she's split away from the doctor, and yes, she does scream a lot. But actually, she's, you know, she is the main reason that they come to this place. Without Mel wanting to go to Paradise Towers, there would be no story. Are you kidding me? If I was in a free falling lift or had a crab like robot coming at me in a swimming pool, I'd be screaming. Two lesbians after you. If two lesbians were coming after me with a carving knife, I'd be screaming too. Yeah. yeah. Who would you rather do, Pex or the young caretaker? 
Uh, what do you mean, caretaker number three, four, six, subsection three, four, five, stroke twelve, subsection three? There we go. Thank you. As long as we've ever been in any trouble, the caretaker for sure. Oh yeah, I can see that. Pex don't really do it for me, I'm afraid. Yeah. Pex is Pex are disappointing. Pex is Pex. Uh, Pex is Pex are from Peckham. Now, I've heard criticism about the cleaning robots because initially, I don't know if you've seen the, the artwork. The <laughs> Sorry, we're coming up to another great bit that I love. Sorry. Yeah. Would you mind going now too, please? <laughs> Hold on. Um, Where is it? I'm sorry. I'm your friend. Yeah. They're looking out for you. Would you would you fuck off as well, please? Would <laughs> you mind going now too, please? Sorry, you what were you saying? Well, I've heard criticism about the cleaning robots because the initial design was a man as a robot. That was the idea, and that so they were actually killing people with hands, you know. Mm. And the designers went a bit crazy. I rather like them. I know I like them, mean, but they're a bit different. I know they're a bit cumbersome as well with the old claw and that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, sh I'm sad they haven't done an eagle moss of them because I would definitely buy one. Mm. But I actually, do, I think they look quite good. I think they're quite sinister and scary. You know, you um, can those um, robotic hoovers clean your house. Imagine a little one yeah. with the cleaners. Yeah, that would be good. He could use his little claw to bring you a cup of tea. Do you think, uh, do you think the moustache was done, you know, as a little... What, a little wink to Hitler? Yeah. I think mean, potentially yes. Yes, I think so. I mean, they're all doing the Hitler salute. <laughs> yes, that's true. I forgot about that actually. <laughs> See, I love all of this. Now, now, this is um, one element of the script that I think is superbly done. I how all the different groups of characters they kind of work by their own rules, and there's a lot of details around the Kangs, the Resis, the caretakers. Um. It's unusual for a Doctor Who story setting out in space. I believe Kang has got massive tits. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You know the tone, honestly. Sorry. There's me. Oh, the detail in the script. She's got massive tits, isn't she? Sorry. No, 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 look at them. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. <laughs> um, oh my God, this is the end of part one already. Oh Sorry. Blown by it. Well, I'll go into it in, ep in episode two. I am the chief caretaker. You'll make all those dilapidated different Richard Bryce is one of those people that just makes you smile. Not just in this, but like in anything. Yeah. You know, you see him in Torchwood. Sorry? You make you smile in Torchwood. Sort of, because I was just like, oh, it's Richard Bryce. Do you know the one thing that he don't make me smile in? What's that? The good life. Tom Good's a fucking arsehole. Yeah, he is, yeah. And he's great in Midsummer Murders as well. He's treated her like a slave. He's got her out there doing the spuds all the time. His back's broken. He's sitting there at the table having a nice cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. I I'll tell you my Richard Bryce story in episode two as well. But it's... Um, yeah, he's so good. There we go. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I love this music. I still think it's I still think it's the best music. It's not the best title sequence, but it's the best music, in my opinion. <laughs> Elizabeth Springs! There are definite uh, directorial issues here, but that's a really good scene setter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it sets it all up. The location well, the characters well. It gives the Doctor and Mel a reason to be there. 
there's a lot of mystery, there's suspense, there's murders going on. Like, on paper, that's really, really fantastic. As I said to you before, if you had watched that, would you have wanted to tune in next week at the same time? I want to tune in next week now. Well, you'll have to wait next week at the same time. Oh, my love of my darling. No, don't make me wait. Why? Why? <laughs> God. Her. Yeah, this is marvellous.